because I'm preaching on Gideon. And if you know any, Gideon's in, in two chapters of the Bible, in the, in the book of Judges, okay? And what he's most known for is being a scaredy cat and a hider and a weak person in his mind. And a lot of times, and this is what I truly believe, that God does not look for the one that shines through. He looks for the one that is willing to be used. And, and really, that is the definition of every single person that serves at our church. Because I think if you walk into a lot of churches, none of you would probably be the one that goes, oh, I want to go serve at that church. And you came here probably not unsure of what to do. And we've created this amazing family. And you serve. And, and, and the, I'm telling you right now, when our church is talked about, one of the greatest things that is talked about is the fact that it's, it's, it's not perfect people come into this building, but it's, it's about people who have found a place in God, who are working their life out through Jesus, and are willing to give back and serve humbly and serve powerfully and love our community. That is what's talked about. That's not my words. That's the community's words. Um, I, I did not know this. My wife um, <laughs> got told this, uh, and, and, and I kind of chuckled afterwards. Uh, but somebody was having a, I don't know who they were, I don't know who this group was, but there was a group of people in Camden that were talking about the pastors in Camden, kind of, and, and I guess they were rating them. I don't know. That's kind of hilarious to me, right? Um, but my wife was told by one of them that, uh, and I guess they were kind of bragging on, on me to her, was they said, we ranked your husband number one and David Walthall second. And I'm like, well, David Walthall's not even in this community anymore. So, um, but he's a great guy. He is a great guy. Um, but I was like, that's kind of funny that I would be, I said, this must have been a misfit group because I'm pretty sure um, there's no way I'm ranked number one in a lot of people's lists for pastors in Camden. But I was honored to be on a list, okay? Uh, because I feel a lot of times like Gideon, like, man, like we're just, we're just this, these, this group of people that are going, God, we want to make a difference. We want to do something. And um, I don't know how that's going to look, but God, I trust you. And so I wanted to speak on Gideon, and it kind of works out that it is Memorial Day. You know, we, we talk and we honor those that have fought and, and, and have the, the warrior mindset. But I kinda, can I tell you that the warrior mindset is not about being the strongest or the bravest. It is about the person just willing to run, when, uh, run towards when everybody else is afraid and runs away. And that's the story of Gideon. I mean, when we look at the story of Gideon, it wasn't that he was some powerful, mighty man. It was just that he was willing to do what was asked of him by God. You can't be great if you first can't grow. And, and that's really the story of, of who Gideon was. You can't have a story of greatness if you're first not willing to grow. If you think that there's nothing more that you can learn and nothing more than you can do, then you will always stifle the purpose and the, and, the, and the passions inside of you. Really, honestly, everybody should be learning until they die. I think we just celebrated um, in Camden this, this uh, lady, Millie, uh, I think it's her name. Maddie, Maggie, Maddie, Maddie. 104 years old. 104. Still driving. Ooh. Right? Like, listen, if I'm 104, I want to still be driving. Anybody drive around Camden and you see that old lady like, that runs? Like, yo, I want to be her. I, don't, I hate running now. I know I'm not going to run at that age, but I just want to be active. <laughs> like, she's out, like in the summertime heat. Like, that girl is crazy. She's, she's got to be up there in age. I'm not going to try to guess what her age is. But, I mean, she's like this big, and, and she runs like... But yo, all over town, like that. That is the person that is saying, age is nothing but a number, and I'm still moving on in life. I'm still gonna grow. I'm still, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reserve my life to just sit in a chair and wither away because that's what age is supposed to do. You know, I could list story after story of people who didn't find greatness until they were older. Captain San or Colonel Sanders, KFC guy? You know, he didn't start KFC until like he was like really old. Like really old. I think he was like in his 50s or 60s or something like that. That is not when you start a business. That's when you're ready to retire from a business. That's when you're ready to sell your business. And that's when he started his business. So many times, of, I mean, literally, you could just look it up. Like, look, look up like people who did great things later in life. And you'll just, there's a laundry list of them. Why? Because, some, because people who want to make greatness in their life throughout the, the whole life realize that greatness is first found 
in being a person who's willing to grow. Here's what I want you to stop saying. I want you to stop saying one day. And I, listen, I, I'm preaching to the choir. I am guilty as heck on some of these things. I've got a, I've got a stack of books in our, in our, what we call our library. It's, you know, it sounds so fancy. Oh, our pastor has a library. We have a nook <laughs> with a chair and some books on a shelf, but it's our library. Okay, my wife is actually trying to figure out how to get one of those rolling um, ladders. Like, we don't need it. <laughs> she just wants it. She's like, how can, how can I get one of these? And, and I mean, it's, it's like two or three shelves full of books, but, you know, it's our little library. We've got little George Washington staring at us, okay, and, and we got a seat, and he just sits there right next to you, and you're like, what up, George? Um, I, I, tell, I tell George good morning every morning. Good morning, George, as I'm leaving our room. Um, he's off to the right-hand side when I leave my master room. George, good morning. George Washington, by the way. It's not some random guy named George. Um, but it's like, wow, y'all name people in your house? Like, we have a big bust of George Washington. And he, if you've seen my wife's post on Facebook or Instagram, she's big, posted pictures with him. And, uh, and so, you know, good morning, George. But that's, if we sit down and read, George is right there to read with us because he's like a good influence of, you know, learning. And, and, and so, you know, but I've got a stack of books and I keep looking at some of them. And I've got like a stack of the books that I haven't read yet. You know, if, I'm not a reader, so that's like the challenge is I go, I... I want to learn more. I want to know more. I want to, and, I, and it's got to be things that fascinate me. I don't read non, uh, what, fiction books? I don't read fiction books. I don't read things that are made up. I, it just doesn't, it bores me. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to watch a movie. I want, it, I, listen, if I want to read about something that doesn't, isn't real, I, I want to shut my brain off and I just want to watch it on a TV screen. If I want to read something to learn and grow and, and dive deeper, and typically it's either faith or leadership or business, um, and, and I'll grab a book and I want, I want to learn. We got to stop saying one day and we got to start doing things today. Even if it's a small, tiny thing, like don't try to go leaps and bounds. Don't go, well, I'm going to go from A to Z today. No, maybe you just need to go from A to A.5. Like, like you don't even have to get to B, just get to half baby steps. Okay. And every time I say that, I think of what about George, Bob, George, what about Bob? Baby steps to the elevator, baby steps to the That should be like a, a at the movies movie that we do. We talk about baby steps in our faith, right? Because because we, we think that we have to do these major, massive things in our life to, to grow spiritually, but man, it's just it's just little things every day saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put off today for tomorrow. What I could do today, what I can, what I can start today, what I can make real today, so I can become great as I move. Enter Gideon. So I'm going to read uh, Judges 6, 12 through 16, and then we've got a couple of thoughts uh, this morning. And this is, this is uh, Judges 6 is where Gideon is uh, introduced, 6, and then 7 and 8, uh, and then he finishes off at the end of 8, and they move on to another judge in chapter 9. But um, to give you kind of a setup of what's happening here, in, at the beginning of Judges chapter 6, uh, they talk about how the Midianites and, and uh, other surrounding areas are terrorizing the Israelites. And they've gotten to a place where like every time they grow wheat, every time they do anything, these Midianites and these, they come in and they, they, they steal everything. They steal their cattle. They steal their sheep. They steal their wheat. And then they, they move on. And, and so what they do is they're hiding in fear every single time that they have to grow stuff. And, they, and, they're, and they're trying to save and collect as much as they can. And, and so enter Gideon and where what they say is he, um, he is... In a wine press. Now, if you know what a wine press is, it's where they would put the grapes and you stomp it and it, you know, does the beginning parts of, of the wine making process. He was in a wine press, not pressing wine, but stomping wheat. So he was in a place that was not designated for the purpose doing something because he was afraid of the, of the, of the enemy and he was afraid of the people that would come and attack him. He was hiding and doing a job in a place that the job was not meant for. Enter verse 12. says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Now I want you to remember, he's hiding from his enemy. This is what the angel of the Lord said to him. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Let's just stop there right there. He's hiding from his enemy, 
And God shows up and says, mighty hero. Now, at that moment, I'm sure Gideon's going, and it's only me in here. Who's he talking to? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, listen to Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Oh, here is the money question. Now, God, why do bad things happen to good people? Haven't we all asked that? I mean, just this week, God, why would you allow such evil in our world for children to die? It's interesting, and I don't want to get on a a political soapbox. That is not my uh, intent because it's not political to me. It's spiritual in this sense, is that we always question God, why God allows the bad stuff, but we don't ask and invite him in to change the scenario. We want to blame him for the bad, but we don't want to invite God in to change the atmosphere. And I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people will go really dive deep into this old school pastors. This is when they would insert, you know, we took prayer out of school. No, we did not. I'll probably one of the few pastors that'll tell you that because I was a student in high school praying. I was, I was a student in my high school leading the Bible club and, and having 60 to 80 people at the flagpole praying for their school almost uh, once a month. You couldn't tell me that prayer was pushed out of school when I had the freedom to do that. Here's where it gets a little twisted is that they said, hey, teachers, you can't lead it. That's it. They didn't even say, leaders, you can't join in. They just said, leaders, you can't start it. They said, if, you, if, you, if the students do it and you want to be there, go for it. If the students are reading their Bible and you want to read with them, do it. So, so religion in the Bible was never kicked out of our schools. What happens is, is we stop making it important for the generation after generation, and then we get a generation of Gideons going, but we can't do it. How many times have we said, will you lead prayer? Uh Uh-huh. Why? Because I'm hiding from my enemy. I don't know how to stand on my own faith. So it's much easier, Pastor, if you just pray for us. Oh, it's much easier, uh, oh, you, you outgoing extroverts, if you'll just grab the mic. Man, some of the most powerful prayers are from introverts. They really, because us extroverts, man, we can make things happen. Like we, we just, we naturally just, we're the life of the party. But when an introvert gets passionate and starts praying, I'm telling you, watch out, walls get blown out, lives start getting, because, because there's something inside of them that has to come out. And they may not use all the fancy. Listen, my wife is an introvert, but she starts praying. I'm like, Jesus is coming back right now. I promise you. She is one of the most powerful prayer persons I know. This, this, this quiet, I say timid, not in a bad way, but timid person. Man, something inside of her rises up because she knows the power of the God that lives inside of her. And so we, we, we could easily, God, why is all of this happening to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? This, this sounds like today's church, right? Like, like, where are the miracles? Where's the God that takes care of people? And I'm telling you, if you look for them, they're there. There's miracles sitting in this room. There's stories of how God has used you over and over again and done things in you over and over again. And if you're not willing to speak it out, then people will never know. And that's what the Israelites were so good at. They they were screw-ups at a lot of things, but they were really good at memorializing what God has done. We talk about Memorial Day, right? Somebody had to come along and say, we need to honor the men and women who have died on behalf of our country. We need to honor them. Well, no different than the Old Testament. They would have memorial stones. And when they would see those stones in places, they were passed on stories of stories of stories of what God had done in the lives of the Israelites. And when they would see them, they'd go, hey, children, let me tell you about this. The problem is, is that we have stopped telling the next generation of the good things God has done in our life. And we just expect them to figure it out. Expect them to find it. We, we make church optional instead of mandatory. And this, listen to me, it's not a knock on any one parent. My child's not here either, okay? <laughs> so, um, but, but she knows on a regular basis, this is where we will be on Sunday. And, and, and sometimes it is. Sometimes it is dragging my child to church. But most times it is setting a, an atmosphere and an understanding that if we want God to move in our lives outside of church, church here has to be important as well. That it's not just something, well, if I've got the time, and this speaks to us as well, like, oh, if I just got the time, I'll show up. No, church is important. Now, if you're on vacation, please take time off. You need to have rest. The Bible says that. We need to relax. This is not sacred in the sense of if you miss Sunday, you're going to go to hell. Like, not at all. 
which some churches will make you feel like, oh, I see that you haven't been here in three Sundays. Like, that's a little creepy. Thanks for recognizing me, but, uh, or you've, you know, I, I listen, and, and I've been to those churches where they call you out, you know, over the, the microphone, and you're like, I'm never coming back. I've had people actually tell, I can't go that way. Um, I've had people tell me, hey, if I come up, if I come to your church, are you going to like call me out when, I'm sorry, I'm just going to let you know, like I would never show back up. To, if I was a new person at church and they said, hi, what's your name, date of birth, social security number, do a dance. No, I might just leave right then and there, you know, like. That is not welcoming or like, listen, I, you, you don't come to somebody's house and like, oh, hey, will you tell us all about you? Like, stand up, mm, princess wave for everybody. No, like, listen, I want you to come and enjoy and, and sit there and, and, and enjoy God's presence and learn without having to feel like, oh, God, is he going to call me out? Now, listen, if you sit on the front row and you've been here for a few months, you might get called out, Rodney. Um, he, he loves to sit up in the front row and be used. Uh, and so, and so here, here he is, and he's like, listen, why do all these things happen, and why don't we see the miracles? And, and didn't you say that the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? He's complaining to God. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Such a beautiful set of, of, of things that, that he says to Gideon. He says, I'm sending you with your strength. He didn't say I'm sending you with supernatural strength. He said, I'm sending you in the strength that you already have to beat the Midianites. But guess what? I'm going with you. That's kind of like the secret sauce. He's saying, you're going to go on your strength, but I'm going to come in and I'm going to do what only I can do. You're going to go in the natural and I'm going to show up in the supernatural. And he said, and then, and then Gideon says, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan, and here, listen, this is more complaining. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. <laughs> Twice, Gideon tries to give God excuses. Why haven't you showed up before, God? Where were you before? We were looking for the miracles. And then when God's like, don't worry, I'm sending you and I'm going to go with you. He goes, but I'm like, my tribe is like the weakest of the tribes. And I'm like the weakest in my tribe. And God's like, okay, cool. But remember what I called you first. I called you a mighty warrior. So I'm going to go with you and you're going to fight and you're going to win. Now, there are some things that we can learn from Gideon this morning. And the first thing that we can learn is this. God will call you by what he has created you. You notice that the very first thing that God does when, when he shows up to Gideon, he says, what? Mighty hero. In other translations, it says mighty warrior. He calls out Gideon not where he's at, hiding from his enemy, he calls him where he already sees his purpose and his plan for life. And so many times we see us through the lens of our failures and our mistakes, our insecurities, the things that we don't want anybody else to know, our weakest and worst moments. And God is saying, no, I understand where you're at, but that is not who you are. Your addiction isn't who you are. Your weakest moment isn't who you are. Your insecurity isn't who you are. And we're going to take those moments and we're going to elevate them if you will just trust me and go where I want you to go. And listen, he didn't say, listen, I want you to catch this because I think this is a big problem in the church. He didn't say this. Rodney, once you become a super spiritual person, and once you can, can quote like at least five scriptures and pray mighty prayers, then I will use you. He never said that. And the church waits for people to get to a place where they can use them in that way. What does he tell Gideon? He is, he is literally hiding from his enemy, working in a place he shouldn't be because he's afraid. And he says, go in your own strength. I'm going with you. In other words, with what you got, go, and we're going to learn and grow along the way. Oh, but Pastor Scott, you don't understand. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on, on, on my language, and I don't, want, I don't want people to see me being used at church and then, and then call me a hypocrite. Let them. I, from your pastor, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what the outside world says about our church or our church people. Allow me to lead. I will be the leader. 
I will listen to God. And if there's somebody that is stepping outside of the boundaries that we need to protect as leadership, we will do that. I promise you, we will do that. But if you don't think that I'm not going to use flawed people to, for the glory of God, 100% because I am a flawed person being used for the glory of God. And so how can I sit there and say, well, you can't be used until. I didn't know one single scripture when God called me to lead a Bible study at 16 years old, 15 years old. 15, God said, go start a Bible uh, club on your campus. God, I'm the wrong person. <laughs> God, I know nothing. I can't even quote John 3, 16. This was a conversation that me and God really had. Like, God, I, I, I am the wrong person. I was Gideon in that moment. God, I'm the weakest person in the weakest tribe. Like, no, not going to happen. And he's like, that's why I want to use you. I was so scared and so insecure. But God will call you by what, you, what he has created you. And so you've got to stop listening to the voice of the enemy. Stop listening to the voice of that insecurity. Oh, you'll never do this. Oh, you'll never be a great whatever. You'll never be, you'll never be used in this. And it's not even just spiritual things. Man, we sometimes, we, we trip ourselves up in our professions. We trip ourselves up in our marriages as being uh, husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and, and, and all of these. Because we say, ah, oh, man, I didn't have a father, so I can't be a good father. No, 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 no. Having a good father is not a prerequisite for being a good father. Trusting God and allowing him to grow you in that. Well, you know, all I've ever seen is negativity. Well, then maybe you're the person that needs to break the cycle in the family. Maybe you're the one that needs to break the generational curse of drugs and alcohol in your family and say, no longer will I be sub uh, subject to these things, but I'm going to be the one that breaks it so that my children and my children's children will not have to deal with it. But you can't do that believing in where you're at. You have to allow God to call you the way that he has created you. It's not how you see yourself, but the God nature he has placed in you that he sees in you. God is always trying to draw out what he has sp spiritually designed in you. You all have God in you. From the moment we're created, God says he knitted us in his mother's womb. This wasn't uh, every other person or one in five people or oh, only the people that are going to go to church. God is knitted in his womb. The Bible says that he has knitted us in, his, in our mother's womb. It means he knows every inch and every aspect of your life, and he knows the plans and the purposes that he has for you. The question is, are we going to follow him? And so when he calls out mighty warrior, he's not calling out where you're at. He's calling out what he has designed. To be the person, to be the person of, of, of light and love in your, in your workplace, to be the person of hope in your family. It's not about where you are, but where he wants to take you. It's not who you are now, but who he is calling you to be. God sees past your weakness and sees you as a warrior. But you have to believe it. You have to believe what God is calling you to do and what he is calling you to be. Spiritual disciplines build godly character. Spiritual disciplines build godly character. Now listen, I, I've, all night I've been thinking about this thing right here. Okay, it's heavy. Like heavy, heavy. Blake, I'm sure you've done, you know, many workouts with, with full gear on, huh? It's heavy. It's not fun. I, listen, I was out working a parade yesterday with just my, just, just my normal, you know, cop gear on, the, the vest and all that stuff. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, God, I'm dying. I hate this vest. I will take that vest over this vest any day of the week. Things heavy, heavy. The problem is, is that we try to jump straight into this with be, without being prepared to carry the weight. We can't carry the weight of what God has called us for if we're not disciplined and ready to do that. And so we, we try to jump in and be super Christian or we try to do things that we're not ready for. And God says, you can't carry this yet. You got you to baby step this in and you got to grow in your faith. So that way, when you get to that, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm prepared. It's, it's the whole David versus Goliath thing. The king, Saul, tried to get him to wear his armor and, and it, he, oh, he just, it, it just swallowed him up and he tried to carry his sword and he was like dragging it. It was, you know, it was not made for him. And so many of us try to live a life that we're not made for and to do stuff that we're not made for. And God says, if you will just trust me, I will set you up for success. But you gotta have spiritual discipline to build godly character. You cannot walk in God's calling for your life in your own strength. So it gets to the point number two, right? You have to tear down your idols and worship God. You're like, I didn't, we didn't read that yet. You're right. Judges 6, 25 through 26. So this is right after, um, right after this first moment with God. 
he, uh, God calls him to do something. And, and, and this, is, this is God explaining. He says, that night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, pull down your father's altar to Bell, and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. Now, if you read on, the people get hot over this because he tore down the idols of the community and his family and set up an altar for God. And I'm telling you, if you, if you want to make a spiritual impact, if you want to make an impact in your life, you can't fully understand God's purpose and plan for your life while holding on to idols. You may be going, I don't have idols. Maybe not like we think of back in the day, little, you know, a lot of times they built them. They either built them out of wood or gold or whatever. They'd have little, you know, uh, things that they would put on their mantle and, you know, like little baby Buddhas and stuff like that. Back in the day were other gods. Um, and, and they would have them as a sign of worship and a sign. And, and so what God tells Gideon, and he says, hey, listen, before we can do this, before we, can, before we can free all of Israel, you got to do something. You've got to tear down the altars of the gods that y'all are worshiping, and you got to worship me. One of the most powerful things in our life is when we say we're going to follow Jesus is that we repent from the things that are in our life that are more important than God. And some of them can be what we call, you know, big sins. They could be drugs or alcohol, cussing, um, you know, I don't know, uh, sexual immorality, whatever. But a lot of times it's, it's, it's even just the small things, learning how to retrain our, our, our mouth to not speak death or gossip, uh, how, to, how to retrain our, our thought process to think positive, spiritual, biblically founded thoughts. We've got to t- cut down the ties of the, of the idols in our life and we have to replace it with worship. We have to replace it with godly mindset and godly realities. You have to cut ties with the things that hold you to living apart from encounter to God. You have to. You cannot serve two masters. That's what the Bible says. You cannot, and, and they say love uh, God or money, but money was just a symbolism of, the, of putting you know, sin and, and, and power and idolatry over God. It, it, money is not the issue. I think a lot of times we get it twisted. Money is not the issue. It's the root, the, the love of money. It's the love of putting anything above God is what the Bible says. If you put anything above God, you don't have a real perspective of loving God. It says you've got to tear it down and you've got you've to replace it with worship to God the Father. God must be Lord of our private life before he can use us publicly. And too many people sacrifice calling over comfort. Yeah, but Scott, if I, man, if I go all in for God, what are people going to think? You know, I'd hate to get to heaven and have that same wonder. God, I could have been used more for you, but I cared what people thought. Because 80 years, if we're lucky, (laughs) is nothing compared to an eternity in a God who has created my destiny. So I would rather you judge me and and call me weird and call me crazy and call me whatever and, and, and know that I have fulfilled a purpose here on earth than to get to heaven and go, God, I could have done more. I could have been better. I could have been a stronger Christian. And it's not about being perfect. It is about being willing to be used like Gideon was you. He said, listen, I'm a a weak person. I'm the least of the least, but I'll be willing to be used. I'll cut down the, the altars of the things of the idols that are holding me back and the sin that is in my life. And I will cut ties with my past life so that I can focus on the purposes of God. Joshua 24, 14 through 15 says this. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the God your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live in? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. 
Now, a lot of us will put that last line up on, the, uh, on a piece of wood, and we'll put it in our house and, you know, make it look cute, and it came from Hobby Lobby. But I want you to take in whole retrospect of what that whole thing was saying. It's saying, listen, you don't have to serve God. You don't have to choose God. You could choose whatever God you want to serve. Choose this day. You got to make a choice. But as for me and my house, the only God that is allowed through that door is the God that reigns. The God that's real, the God that changed my life. That's the only God that my family will hold on to. And that's the God that we will speak of in the community. That's the God that we will serve and love because we are not going halfway, half in. We are wholeheartedly serving this God in all of our lives. And the question becomes today, it's it's not about what church you go to. It's about which God will you serve? Whom will you serve today? Which leads to the third question, which I think isn't spoken enough of at church. It is okay to have questions. Can I get an amen for Listen, it's okay to have questions. Sometimes we think that we got to, once we come to church, oh, I'm a Christian, I got to, I hope I got to have it all together. Okay, I got to know the answers. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you ask me a question I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> so spiritual, isn't it? <laughs> What's your pastor think about this? I don't know. Sometimes I'll tell you, I don't have an opinion. I don't care. <laughs> it's okay. You can tell people, I don't know. But you know what that also could be followed up with? Let me find out. Let me do some studying on that. I said that this morning to, to somebody. I, I don't know completely, but let me, let me do some research. Let me do some studying. Let me go to my Bible. Let me, let me, let me look up that, that, that aspect and let me get back to you. Because I think that people expect like, oh, you're a Christian. Uh, Deanne, what do you believe in the Trinity? Is it God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Is it three in one or is it like three people that are just independently out there doing their own thing? Is Holy Spirit uh, a girl like um, the Shack showed? Like, I'm, I'm just so confused. Can you tell me all the answers? She's like, <laughs> peace out. That's a good, I don't know. <laughs> Never met the Holy Spirit in person. <laughs> like they didn't show up in an image and go, hi, I'm the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in me. But, you know, is it a guy or a girl? It's a God. I don't know. <laughs> you know like, I don't know if God has a gender. But he, but, but, and some of you are like, it's God the Father. What are you talking? Listen, I know, I know. I'm going to mess your whole theology up right now. Because listen, as, as much as it is God the Father uh, and God the Son, it also has uh, feminine uh, aspects of God that it speaks of in the Bible. Because let me tell you something, mercy is not a normal guy quality. <laughs> the men are like, absolutely not. <laughs> it is not our nature to go, oh, I love you and forgive you. <laughs> so, <laughs> come over here, I'm going to sock you. Like that's our natural tendency. You want to do me wrong, let's fight. Well, you know, listen, but, but the whole, like, hug it out, no. God has to have some, some female quality in him. He also said that he made us in his image. Well, that would be a bunch of dudes running around if it was just God as a guy. He made Adam and Eve in his image, in their image. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about theology. It's not this super, oh, you have to go to college to understand. Listen, it's just breaking down God's word. And what does it say? It's it's okay not to know everything, but it's not okay to say, I don't want to learn. It's okay to to, to question. It's okay to question God. (gasps) You can't do that. He will smite you. Lightning bolts will come out of his hand and strike you. I don't know about that. God's not in the game of like, oh, Blake, da- Blake questioned me one too many times. Warts for that man. Yeah. Listen, if you don't believe me, look, look at what Gideon does. In Judges 6, 36 through 38, he says, then Gideon said to God, this was before all of this. This is, this is right after he makes, so he goes and he worships God and all this. And then, he, <laughs> then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me, you should have thought about that before you tore the altars down of the idols. And made everybody mad at you. If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is what happened. 
When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowlful of water. That's why in the church, you know, laying a fleece down before God. It's, it's saying, I'm questioning whether or not this is my plan. God, if this is really you, I've done this before. God, if this is really you, you somebody that doesn't know what's going on to, to confirm it in me. God, if this is really you, I, I pray that sometime in the next week that somebody would, would come in and, and there would be a God moment that would, would completely confirm this. It's, I believe you, God, but I'm not sure. Now, here's the thing. What, what did Gideon say right then and there, which I think is so ironic, right? He says, he says, if the fleece uh, is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. He's a liar. Because he wakes up the next morning and he, and he goes out and he wrings out the, the wool and he's like, oh, look, that's awesome. And then he goes, he goes back to God and he goes, okay, God, <laughs> just don't get mad at me. But how about we do the same thing, but now we make it opposite. Tonight, I'm going to lay the wool out again and make that dry, but all the ground wet. Then I'll believe it. Like, Gideon Gideon was called a mighty warrior, was given a purpose and a plan to defeat the Midianites. He was willing to trust God and go tear down the idols and use some of his family's uh, stuff to, to make this, this altar and sacrifice to him. And then God's like, okay, now the time's to put the plan into action. He's like, yeah, I'm not sure still. And we go, well, you, you can't question God. Gideon did. When Paul, the apostle, was just Saul, the killer, the guy who in Acts uh, was, was given the task of going and praying with Paul and, and, and relieving the blindness, had a dream, and he's like, God, are you sure? Are you sure you're not going to send me there and I'm going to die? It's like, do you trust me? It's okay to question God. Questioning God is natural. Questioning God is not crazy. The crazy part is that all of that leads to us doing something amazing. Questioning leads to growth. Think about this. If, if, if I just showed up on the work site with, with Rodney or Eric or, or any one of the you know, uh, guys that uh, do a trade for a living, and they said, hey, you know, uh, we need to do a 90-degree angle. They just start rattling off stuff. Yeah, 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 okay. Hmm. All right, we'll start fiddling with stuff. And wouldn't very, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't go very well if I didn't have questions. What's that? <laughs> when I worked for Erica a, a little bit, you know, I'd never used Pex in my life. I'm like, Pex, Pex, what is that? Pex? That's, sounds like Pez, like the stuff you eat. I never knew that they made little flexible, you know, tiny, you know, pipes. <laughs> it's like, I'm used to seeing the big old, you know, so, uh, listen, if you don't have questions, you don't grow. I, can, I now understand plumbing way more than I did two years ago. Till I became a cop. I didn't know much about their job other than the fact that they pull you over when you do <laughs> stupid stuff in a car. Or, you know, don't be, don't be a bad guy. I didn't realize all that goes into it. And the fact is, we grow and we learn in life because we ask questions. And then we get to our spiritual life and we go, can't question God, can't, can't, can't question God, just got to go with the flow, just got to check the box, just got to go to church, just, okay, okay. It's why most people walk away from God is because they don't question the things so that they can learn. And I'm telling you, and I'm giving you the freedom, just like Gideon, it's okay to question him. God, are you sure? God, can you show me? God, can you grow me? I'm unsure. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It's self-sufficiency. It's saying that you can do it without him. It's saying that you don't need to learn and you don't need to grow and you don't need to ask questions. We grow by learning what we trust. And lastly, you gotta trust in God's plan. You gotta trust in God's plan. Let me, let me put it, you gotta trust in God's plan, especially when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to read the, the last portion of Judges for the evening. It's the last scripture this morning. It says this. In Judges 7, 2 through 6, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. That is not a statement I want God to tell me. 
You got too many people on your side. We got to narrow this down. If I let all of you, listen, but here's the thing. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So he looks at all of these warriors that are now going to go fight this battle with them, and he says, if you're scared, go home. And 22,000 people leave that day. You're a great leader. Why are people leaving the church, pastor? If your church was so good, why are they leaving? Do you want to talk about getting in my, my little life? You, you want to know what the struggles that a pastor walks through? It's when they feel like they don't have the answers of why their church isn't growing or why people have left their church. You feel like you're doing everything that you've been called to do. Or why am I losing my friends when I feel like I'm being the best version of myself now? Or why is my business not growing the way that I thought it would when I'm trusting God more now with it than I haven't before? We all have these questions. 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. <laughs> but the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. So I want you to do the math. They started with nearly 33,000 people. Said, if you're timid or afraid, you can go home. 22,000 leave. Says they're left with 10,000. Then he says, too big, still got to go down. So he leads them to the, this, this, this river. It says, when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like a dog. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. So this is, how, <laughs> this is God's amazing way of defining who is a warrior and who's going home. If you go down to the river and you reach in like this and lap it up, and you don't bend your face down, that's the difference between a warrior. None of that makes sense. It actually does. I, I will say there is, there, there's actually a strategic uh, understanding to that because those that are willing to bend their face down to the water have no situational awareness. And you can do more with less when they are situ situationally aware than with just a bunch of people that are just going to get killed in the process. So God is, is but, but only 300 men drank with their hands. I'd be like, God, can we at least do a round two? Like maybe the smart ones will get it. Like, oh, they saw, hey, the people that went, they stayed. Like I need more than 300, God. Like we started with 33,000. We're down to 300. I get it. You, you, you need to show them that it's not about them. It's about me, you and your goodness and your glory and your willingness to, to give us the battle. But 300? God, how can, how can you expect Camden to change when, when, when the church just isn't exploding and we're not at where I wanted it to be? And, and God, I thought we'd be at two services by now and we'd be like at 300 people and, and we'd be like the rock star church, God. Mm. You don't think I haven't had these questions with God? Like, why would you call me here to be a small church? God, I just don't understand. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Pastor, it's not about the size of the church. Shut up. Yes, it is. <laughs> why? Because, because people are souls, and souls are, are need to heaven. And listen, it's not about my, the size of my church and my glory. But I'm like, God, why would you call me from my, my comfortability to a place where I've got nobody? Then on top of that, I feel like I'm a loser. Come on, God. And then all it takes is really just linking arms with some people and you go, I'm not a loser. Because if I'm a loser, we're all losers and we're just running together. Yay, losers. Because here's the thing. It's not about the size. It was about the willingness to to do what we need to do to win the battle. And he took 300 men and did what he couldn't do with 33,000. 30, 30, 
I believe that Camden will change because Freedom Church is here, and it doesn't matter if there's 10 people that show up on a Sunday or 100 people that show up on a Sunday, because I know the God whom we serve, and I know the God that has the plan and purpose for this church, and so every time the enemy wants to try to knock me down and try to get me to believe that I'm not being effective enough, all I have to do is look at y'all. That's all. And I look around the room and I go, there's a story, there's a story, there's a God moment, there's a God moment. There are some people that I love to link arms with and love to do life with and they become family and I get excited about what God has called us to hear. And if I listen to the lies of the enemy and I start to trust myself, then I will have a really bad day. There are Sundays where I trust in myself and I go home and I have this overwhelming sense of depression. God, why did you call me here? In those moments, I have to then go back to the words that God had spoken to me at the beginning and go, God, you have called me here for a reason. I got to get out of my fields and get out of what the enemy is trying to, to tell me. I have to trust in the plan. And so I'm telling you too, whatever you're, wherever you're at in your life, you need to trust in the plan. You need to trust in the plan maker, that it doesn't make sense. God, we had 33,000. God, I had this much money in my bank account before I started going to church and loving you and serving you. And now it seems like everything's going crazy. And, and listen, God is not about your creature comforts. He is about digging out in you who he has called you to be. And listen, success will come, whether that's in the form of money or in the form of emotional health, relationships. Success will come in our lives when we lean in and trust and we do what God has planned. Gideon took 300 men and he defeated an army without ever having to touch a person. They surrounded the enemy and they took a ram's horn and they took a light, a jar with light in it and they smashed the jar. And, and when they did that, they surrounded, they had two, uh, three groups of a hundred surrounding the, the uh, enemy. And when they did that, it created chaos and they all blew the horn and it sounded like there was three massive armies surrounding them and they went into chaos and they started killing each other. The God of the universe, the God of amazing love and power and purpose wants to use you in ways that you could never dream or imagine if you're willing to trust him. God wants to work in your life, but you have to be willing to first trust his plan. So many fail and mess up because they can't see how it will work and they will try to do it on their own over and over and over again. And whether that's true in our lives or what we read in the Bible, we see it over and over and over again. <laughs> I had this thought at midnight last night when I was finishing up my message and just putting the final pieces together is we would rather, we would rather have control in the kiddie pool than to have trust in the deep end. It's scary. Listen, have a kid and then tell him to go jump in the deep end. Like your parent heart freaks out for a moment. <gasps> Ooh! Ever watch those videos where they throw like the, the three-month-old kid in the water? You're like, God, you're a bad parent. What are you doing? <sighs> Gotta learn somehow. Yeah, you're an idiot. But then they just bob around and like, hey, this is okay. Because, because trust is an issue, Amen. We're taught not to trust. God says, with everything that you have, I need you to trust me and trust the plan and trust who I'm creating you to be. We grow by what we know and putting it into practice. You can't stay in the shallow end. Sometimes you just need to learn to dive in. How many know it's way worse to get in the pool by walking in? <laughs> Listen, I'll be the first one to admit it. If I, if, I, if I use the steps, I'm probably only going up to my knees. God, does nobody believe in like heating water any day? Like God, well, this is like the whole, my whole time is like, we live in the land of America where every pool should have a heater. What is wrong with you people? Oh my God. Such a spoiled brat. But if I just go to the deep end and dive in, I'm like, ah! and then you get up and you're like, it's not so bad. Not so bad. Okay, cool, cool. Listen, I know I'm a weird grown child. It's, you know, pray for my wife. Can't stay in the shallow end. You got to dive in. Remember, our, our word for this year is now faith. And we can't have now faith if we're not willing to grow and to learn together. So with trust comes these things. Growth, victory. Gideon got victory by growing in what God had called him to be. Camaraderie. Gideon could have done it by himself and God would have honored that. But he did it with 300. Sparta. <laughs> he did it with 300. Listen, I, I could do a lot 
with God, just me and him. Can I tell you, it's a whole lot better when I do it with you guys. When I link arms and man, when I cut, like, there's been days where I've had, we have life group and even if it's just two or three of us, I'm just like, man, I needed this. First Wednesdays, whether it's seven of us or 15 of us, 20 of us, I don't care. Like, man, I just, I walk away and I, almost every Wednesday, first Wednesday, I look at people and I'm like, I needed to be with you guys today. I needed this. We, we gain family and we gain com- camaraderie in that. We gain confidence and we gain purpose. Just like Gideon, there is a warrior in each and every one of us ready to take on the world when we step away from who we think we are. We have to trust God, we have to let go of idols, and we have to grow. Will you pray with me? You know, I just wonder if, um, if at some point there's that thought of, I, I'll go back to what I first said, we have to stop saying someday. God, we need to stop saying one day I will. God, let it be of us to say that today we will. And I just wonder if you're sitting out there and you're saying, man, I just, I needed that encouragement, but I need prayer. Pastor, I I want to, but can you just pray for me that I will, that I will now stick to that one day, that tomorrow will be my day. Today will be my day that I start to, to step out in faith. And like Gideon, God is calling you a mighty warrior. He's calling you out to do greatness. Each and every one of us in this room have a purpose and a plan. That's what Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, that he has a plan for us, a plan to make a difference in this world if we would so choose to follow and listen and reach out to him. And I think just as vitally important, not, not just setting off that, but that God would want to use us, but that we need to knock down some idols in our life. So God, I pray this morning that as we, as we end this time together, that God, that we take a look inside of ourselves and we would ask, God, what is it that is holding me back from you? What are the idols in our lives? What are the struggles that we deal with, God? What are the, the emotional strains that we hold, the insecurities, the worries, the anxieties? God, what are the uh, addictions and the sin? And the things in our life that we haven't let go and given to you, God, today, I pray that we would release them. And that, God, at some point today, we would, we would sit with ourselves and you, and we would, we would actually name that out. God, I am struggling with this, but I'm giving it up as an idol, and I am trusting and worshiping you with my life. God, I struggle with anxiety, but, God, I'm giving it to you. Not that I won't ever have a struggle with it, not that it's just poof gone, but God, that I'm not going to let it run my life and that when, when it starts to rise up, God, help me to pray and help me to take the medicine that I need to take and help me to lean on my brothers and sisters to, to be there for me that I might defeat the idol in my life. That the enemy would have no stronghold on me. Like Gideon, though I may look weak, what you see in me is far more valuable than what I see in myself. So I pray for our Gideons, that we would rise up and we would live a life that honors you and changes our family groups, our friends, our workplaces, and our community. God, I speak your purpose and power and plan over our lives, and I ask, God, that you would grow us in faith, that we may draw closer to you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. And once again, we honor those men and women who have died for our freedoms. That God, throughout this weekend, we would remember those families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 